to the Indian Creek Baptist Church podcast. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. Our website is www.indiancreekbaptistchurch.org or our email address is info at indiancreekbaptistchurch.org. It is our sincere hope that through this podcast, God will speak to your heart and touch your life so that you may grow closer to him. Again. Yes, you can be seated. All right, sorry. Uh, we are going to pick back up in the book of Esther. Last week, uh, we had a, a message for Veterans Day. Very much appreciate everything that our veterans have done for us. And we're we're going to be back in Esther. Esther chapter 4 is where we're going to start. Uh, two weeks ago, we saw Haman and the king celebrating... Uh, where we left off celebrating the uh, coming destruction of an entire nation. And um, what a what a calloused group of men. But we saw Mordecai finally step up and proclaim that he was a Jew and, and begin to stand for something. Um, and then uh, this week, as we get into our message, we're going to see uh, finally a return to God. Well, sort of. Esther chapter 4 and verse number 1 says, When Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out in the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry and came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. And in every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews, and fasting, and weeping, and wailing, and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. So Esther's maids and her chamberlains came and told it her. Then was the queen exceedingly grieved, and she sent raiment to clothe Mordecai and to take away his sackcloth from him, but he received it not. Then called Esther for Hatak, one of the king's chamberlains, whom he had appointed to attend upon her and gave him a commandment to Mordecai to know what it was and why it was. So Hatak went forth to Mordecai under the street of the city, which was before the king's gate. And Mordecai told him of all that had happened unto him and the sum of the money that Haman had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the Jews to destroy them. Also, he gave him a copy of the writing of the decree that was given to Shushan to destroy them, to show it unto Esther and to declare it unto her and to charge her that she should go in unto the king to make supplication unto him and to make request before him for her people. And Hatak came and told Esther the words of Mordecai. Let's pray. Again, Father, we love you. We thank you for this glorious day. Lord, I pray that you would show us through this troubling time of the Jews, that you would show us the way to see you. Lord, the way to get through these times, and the hard times so that we can bring honor and glory to you. So God, please guide us and direct us today. Speak to our hearts. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <coughs> what happens when we receive bad news? Whether it's a cancer diagnosis or a, a death in the family or an injury. How do we receive bad news? It's different for everyone. Uh, for me, I've always been one of those people that 
for the most part, can remain calm. Unless, of course, I'm being burned by antifreeze, and then I tend to yell and make noise. But uh, some people aren't that way. I remember when I got the news that Melissa, my first wife, was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer. We listened to the doctor and uh, followed what, what he had to say and we went home and I made sure that she was uh, comfortable and that she was okay. And then I went to the church and began to wire in the sound system as we were in the middle of trying to get into a new building. I've always needed to work with my hands in times where I need to think and, and clear things up. But not all people are that way. Mordecai, when the Bible tells us that when Mordecai perceived all that was done, Mordecai rent his clothes and put on sackcloth with ashes and went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry. And he came even before the king's gate, for none might enter into the king's gate clothed with sackcloth. Mordecai immediately went out into the city and made himself very uncomfortable and began to cry and weep and wail. And last or two weeks ago when we talked about this, we compared Mordecai to Daniel. And uh, we're going to do that again a little bit today, but I believe that Mordecai's reaction is justified. But I also understand that Mordecai brought a lot of this on himself. He did exactly what every other Jew who heard the news throughout the kingdom did. They rent their clothes and they put on sackcloth and put on ashes the difference, though, is that all the other Jews were caught by, the, by surprise. They had done nothing wrong. They were completely innocent. Mordecai shouldn't have been caught by surprise. Mordecai, remember, just a chapter ago, or two chapters ago, at, at the end of chapter 2, saw the, the porters, the, the chamberlains that watched the door that were trying to kill that were plotting to kill the king and he certified or told Esther and she certified the king in, in Mordecai's name he saw them be hanged for disobeying the king's commands Mordecai knew that he was disobeying a command of the king and he's reacting as if this was all a complete surprise Now I know we all do things that are right on the edge of good and safe and we're still often caught by surprise. I mean I spent six years riding bulls and I was surprised every time I walked out of the arena on my own power. I expected to get hurt. I was doing it because I wanted to get hurt. And I know I harp on on speeding a lot, but speeding is always one of those things that just is so funny to me because we know we're breaking the speed limit. We know we're breaking the law, but 
so many times when we get pulled over, we have an attitude with the police officer that's trying to give us correction. That's just trying to do his job and uphold the law. It's like we didn't expect that because we were speeding, we were going to get a ticket. Very few times are we ever speeding when it's not on purpose. I can think of one time where I would say it was accidental. And that was uh, Rachel and the kids were on their way back from Arkansas. And they were down around Kansas City. And they'd stopped at uh, Chick-fil-A and, and gotten lunch. And as she went to merge back onto I-35, the accelerator stuck. Hmm. And... Um, Oddly enough, she called me while she's speeding down the interstate trying to figure out what, what to do. We were able to get her pulled off to the side of the road and figured out that the floor mat had gotten wedged up underneath uh, the accelerator and was pushing it to the floor. That is one of the few times where I could say that was accidental. But you can also look at it as the fact that I had a, a non-factory floor mat on the floor of the car that was causing an issue. And we should have known about the issue. Now, she didn't get a ticket. She didn't get pulled over. We got stopped. There was no accident. There was none of that. But here, Mordecai, and I don't know, maybe Mordecai just thought that it was just going to be him that was in trouble. And now he's realizing that he's put the entire nation at jeopardy and that's what's causing this reaction. But Mordecai's, he's breaking down. It is interesting to note here that the Bible doesn't tell us that Mordecai fasted. It tells us that he put on sackcloth and ashes and he went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and a bitter cry and, and he came even before the king's gate. And then in verse number 3, it says, In every province, whithersoever the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. This is the first time that we even see a hint of God in this book. And that's because the Jews were fasting. Fasting was not something that was done by the Gentiles, although now it's done by the religion of fitness. But in this time, the Jews, this, this time of fasting for the Jews always included them forsaking something that they needed or they desired and centered around prayer to God, to seek God's will. To seek God's help. In Mordecai, I see the Pharisees that Christ called hypocrites so many times throughout the Gospels. The ones that love to pray on the corners and wear the fine clothes and be the center of attention. If we look at Daniel, though, 
Daniel's response to being thrown into the lion's den was, or to, to, to the law being given that anyone who would pray to a god other than the king would be thrown into the lion's den was to simply go and pray like he had every other day, three times a day. Nothing changed. And when you read Daniel, Daniel willingly went into the lion's den. I think about his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that refused to bow to the idol, to the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had made. And yes, they were bound and thrown into the furnace. But they stood there a judgment knowing what was going to happen. David repented and fasted when his sin was with Bathsheba was brought out by Nathan the prophet. His explanation as he cleaned himself after the child had died, as he cleaned himself up and ate and the servants were confused, his explanation was that I spent that time fasting because I know that God is merciful and I thought that he might have mercy on the child. It wasn't. He wasn't praying and fasting for him. He was praying and fasting for the child. And as soon as the child died, as soon as the punishment was carried out, David moved on. He cleaned himself up and he went about ruling the kingdom. Jonah when he was in the whale's belly, prayed to God. The Bible tells us that he cried out of, cried unto the Lord out of the belly of the fish. And when he was delivered, he did go and he preached to Nineveh, but he only did it half-heartedly. And then as Nineveh was being spared, he sat and watched, hoping for it to be destroyed and began to Pray for their destruction and argue and get angry with God when God didn't do it. Or how about Hezekiah who prayed that God would let him live and God granted him 15 more years. And then the Bible tells us that he squandered those 15 years. He spent them in pride and selfishness and led Israel to be Punished again. We have all of these examples throughout the Word of God. Where are we? You know, this week is the week leading up to Thanksgiving, and many people will gather around the table on Thursday and they have a tradition and they'll go and they'll, they'll each say what they're thankful for. Very few people are thankful for the hard times. Very few people are thankful for the injuries, for the deaths, for the struggles. But without these things, we wouldn't be where we are today.
we just celebrated Veterans Day last week. And without the sacrifice of the men and women that served in our armed forces during World War One and World War Two, and even Vietnam and Korea and Desert Storm and Operation Iraqi Freedom and all of those things, without those people standing here protecting us, serving our country, we wouldn't have the freedom to stand here today and preach the Word of God. Mordecai's reaction, I don't believe, is wrong. But it is interesting at how great it is. And the reason I find it so interesting is because of the queen's reaction. Now, I, 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 don't, I haven't completely wrapped my head around the dynamic between the king and the queen at this point. I understand that Esther as the queen is merely a figurehead. <clears throat> she had nothing to do with the day-to-day -day operation of the kingdom. She was just merely a figurehead. But I find it hard to believe that the king, we're going to see in chapter 4 and chapter 5 just how much he loved Esther. When Esther brings him or comes before him, finally he offers to give her half of the kingdom. I find it hard to believe that she wouldn't know what was going on in her own kingdom. Yet, as she finds out that Mordecai is out in the street, weeping and wailing in sackcloth and ashes, her first response is to send him clothes. To have him change. As we were cleaning out the storage units yesterday, um, it was a beautiful day. And the neighbors were out playing, and uh, I laughed. I, I came around the front of the unit, and I looked down the street, and uh, they've got one of those little signs that's a kid holding a sign that says, Slow Down. And it's a really weird color, but they had it put out on the street and uh, kind of on the in the parking area. And I, when I first looked, I thought it was actually a kid, uh, just as a quick glance out of the corner of my eye. But then I realized that they were out in the front yard playing, and you know they're just trying to warn people, and I understand that. But as, as we're going throughout the day, we can hear them yelling and screaming and, and doing all these things. And the first time I heard it, I had to stop and think, okay, was that a painful scream, or was that just a fun scream? Isn't it interesting how we as parents know the difference? Not only in our kids, but in everybody else's kids. Especially if we know them very well at all. We know the difference in, uh, I'm really hurt, or I'm just screaming to scream. I feel like Esther couldn't tell the difference. I feel like as she's told that Mordecai is out weeping and wailing and sitting in sackcloth and ashes in the street, that maybe she'd seen it before. That maybe Mordecai was a little bit of a drama queen. 
that maybe this is how he reacted oftentimes. To not just big things, but to everything. I mean, she's far more worried about what it looks like for him to be out in the street like that than she is about what is actually wrong. Mordecai wouldn't receive the clothes, so she finally sends out Haytak, one of the king's chamberlains, to see what is wrong with Mordecai. And Mordecai fills him in and gives him a copy of the writing to take back to Queen Esther. Again, how could she not know? But then I look at us today in this modern country of and time of everybody's lives on social media and news all over the world at the, the push of a button and think about all the things that I just don't know. And that I don't know them on purpose. We were uh, coming home first of the month. And I don't know why it didn't dawn on me that it was November and that elections were coming up. But we had election here in town for the, the mayor and one of the council members. And, um, I had to ask my uncles yesterday who actually won, who's actually mayor of Maxwell now. Because I saw it as something that wasn't important. The people that are making ordinances and governing our town, I didn't think that was important. We drove into town from the south and one of the, the major polling places is at the Legion Hall just down the block. And I thought, man, there's a lot of cars on Main Street. We pulled up to the post office and we got our mail. It wasn't until we drove by City Hall and saw the big flashing sign that said, it's election day, don't forget to vote, that I realized, oh, and the polls are closed or about to close. And I hadn't even thought about who was supposed to be running for anything. We've been praying for Israel and the war now going on with Hamas and the people that are losing their lives and but it's not right here on our front door so I'm not nearly as worried about it as I am about other things what is about to happen here is something that well much like what's going on with Israel today there's been appointed a single day where every Jew is to be slaughtered and Esther didn't know about it and I think as we look at her response 
coming up next week, it still very much baffles me, her response. Eventually, we know that Esther is going to certify, is going to bring all this to light, and God is going to provide and, and save the children of Israel. But it really doesn't look good right here. But my thought for us as we enter this Thanksgiving week is don't just be thankful for the good things. Be thankful for everything. Romans 8.28 says, For all things work together for good. All things. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We need to be thankful for all of them. If nothing else, we need to be thankful that we have a God that loves us enough to chasten us when we step out of line. Very few people thank that police officer for pulling them over and giving them a speeding ticket. Very few. But he's doing his job to the best of his ability. And God has commanded us to obey those that have authority over us. God has also told us that he's put that he has put those people in authority over us. Very few people are thankful right now for the state that our nation is in. But God has allowed it to happen. So that we can seek him. Israel is crying out to God and fasting. Because they're about to be destroyed. Let's not let us get that far.